Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey everybody, I'm Liz, and I'm a part of the Fade to Gray Patreon, and I've got some great news for you. Are you paying too much for your auto, home, life, or small business insurance without having your own agent you can trust to advise you correctly? Insurance agent Chad Johnson has multiple companies to offer in these products and is licensed in the states of Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Iowa. Call or text message him at 417 421 2925 for a no obligation quote on any of your insurance needs. Again, that's call or text message 417-421-2925. Hey, what's up, Fade Degree family? This is Elizabeth, and I've got some great information for you. Hey, look, I'm a chronic overspender and not very good with my money, but luckily I met Brian from BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com. He helped me set up a budget and learn how to invest my money, and he even helped me understand my retirement. The team at BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com doesn't just work with individuals either. They work with businesses and nonprofits as well. What's awesome is they won't ever cold call you or spam your email. You tell them your needs, your hopes and dreams, and they will provide you with the best options at your convenience. Listeners of Fade to Gray can call 413-977-9967 and ask for Brian. Or... You can email him directly at brian at bfs-team.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at bfs-team.com. And mention the podcast to receive a free consultation. That's hundreds of dollars in value. Services are available where licensed. Look, you have no excuse not to get your finances in order. So visit BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com and let them remove your financial fears. What is up, Fade to Gray family? There is a brand new podcast in town. Fade to Gray's own Elizabeth Williams has started a new podcast called Four in Tow, a not-so-conservative homeschool podcast. 
She's a homeschool mom of four who occasionally drops the F-bomb. You see, Elizabeth grew up as a homeschool student, and she's been homeschooling now for four years. And she knows that there is a desperate need of community and encouragement for all the other homeschool moms and dads out there. If you're interested in listening to Elizabeth's podcast, make sure to check out the show notes for the link. Once again, that's the Four in Tow podcast. We hope you'll join her. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray podcast. Everything will be aces. Let's get faded, guys. Hell yeah. He has many, and I mean many, leather-bound books on shelves made of rich mahogany. Now you've heard of gay conversion therapy. Well, this is gray conversion therapy. I think you're going to like it. I'm not braver than you. I'm just drunker than you. And you're fabulous. You deserve to be told you're fabulous. What do you think about the podcast? It sucks. Nice. All right. Welcome back to Fate to Gray. Sorry, guys. Uh, this is the gay episode. So this is Ethan here <laughs> taking over. Um, we have with us today Brady Harden from the Life After Woo. podcast. Uh, we are super excited. He was with us in season one. We are super excited to have him back for season two to have him talk to us a little bit about his season two. His podcast is in now. Brady, welcome, man. Hey, thank you. So you guys are on season two now. Like, um, have you faded to the gray yet? Or I actually, is that just like I a... faded out of gray. I got oh, uh, okay. those in chroma colorblind glasses and I can see color. Ah, so I saw that's... that on your Facebook, Ethan. That was so oh, cool to watch. It's pretty kick-ass. I'm loving yeah. it. <laughs> it was like watching uh, Wizard of Oz through your eyes. Oh my God. I watched <laughs> the Wizard of Oz with the glasses on. I thought I was going to have like <gasps> a it? stroke or something. <laughs> yeah. So you, when you're watching Kansas, were you just like, fuck this shit? I've already seen it all before. <laughs> I was like, this looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys so much for letting me come back on the show and everything today. I really appreciate it. It's good seeing you all again. And Dude, oh, man. We're Brady. stoked to have you back. <laughs> Great to see you, man. Great to see you. And to answer thank your you question are. about have we faded to gray yet, I guess that just yeah. depends on who you ask. You know, um, some some people will say that on certain topics, maybe we're not as gray as we should be. Like um, the, whole, the whole church <laughs> topic. I don't think I can like really be too gray on church. I think my grayness is there where I still like say Jesus is still all right with me. But like, <laughs> but as far like, as um, like Millie on Freaks and Geeks, uh, if anybody gets that reference, I'm I'm a huge fan of you already. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of Freaks and Geeks, but I'm not sure about the reference. I didn't get the reference. Millie Millie was the really Christiany girl that uh, Lindsay Weir was good friends with, and she at a party when they were all drinking beer, she started to sing "Jesus is just all right with me," <laughs> I like the Doobie Brothers or whatever, and it was just so brilliant. It was so innocent and cute, and I just loved it. It was so nice. Good. Yeah. So Brady, how is season two going? Oh my god! So our season two is going very well um it's cool because you know we took a little bit of a break and then chuck and i were able to kind of chuck is my co-host chuck parson uh badass motherfucker i love him um he and i were able to kind of like sit down and come up with uh i don't know we're just improving you know how that is like you guys have probably noticed that with your show too you've got better uh, production quality whenever you do a second season you're able to kind of plan things out a little bit better envision what it's going to be like because you have a lot of like the kinks worked out and so with us now we're able to kind of focus more on specifically the themes that we want to focus on and really uh i don't know just try to make a bigger impact with people and the word is getting out more and it's been kind of like and it's cool to see the show growing, you know? So second season has been pretty exciting so far. So when you say bigger impact, 
Um, as, is there specific things you're doing, say marketing or whatever, to make that impact? Or are you just focusing on show quality? Show quality has been our main thing. And not just like production quality, but more content uh, of like we want to make stuff that's going to be helping people who have come out of fundamentalism uh, to help educate and to help. Really, I, I kind of have been thinking about it a lot and I've melted down the three, like three things that I want to do with our podcast. So our podcast is called The Life After. You can find us on iTunes, any podcast app. And, uh, we're also on Spotify. But like what I want to do is number one, I want to affirm people's uh, evangelical experience. So a lot of us who came from evangelical backgrounds or came from Christian fundamentalism, uh, you know, we, we had a very weird subculture that a lot of people are not going to be aware of or not understand unless they experienced it. So one thing that the show does is it kind of provides that for people who have left it. And then they have somebody that they could talk to or uh, a show that they could listen to. That's like, okay, no, these people get it. Like I was brought up on McGee and me and, Frank Preddy books and oh, you know Ad- Adventures McGee in and Odyssey me. and uh, Dude, you know I hear that it, every night still my kids listen to Adventures in Odyssey I'm guilty sorry are you serious <laughs> that's nice um, I went that's to Wits nice. End once in Colorado like uh, you did not the Imagination yeah, Station I, yeah 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 so it's, it's so weird looking back at that shit now because my life's so much different but I love it but the idea is that like because we had such a weird experience that we want to be able to let people know like, Hey, this is normal and it's okay. (laughs) So that's kind of like my first goal with the show right now. Um, the second one is that I really want to destigmatize, um, therapy, professional therapy and counseling for people who came out of really dogmatic backgrounds, because the Christian fundamentalism that I came from had a lot of very negative, um, and un, un, like just completely baseless things about, psychology and you know modern uh philosophy or whatever and so we were really discouraged to go to professional therapists that were not specifically within our belief system Uh, so one thing that i want to do is to kind of help people say hey you can trust uh, professional therapists and licensed therapists. Uh, find one that works for you. I'm not saying all of them are going to be perfect. And I'm not saying only finds non-Christian ones. Um, a, I'm no longer a Christian, but like one helped me a lot. A Christian therapist helped me a lot um, and helped me understand what spiritual abuse was and kind of helped me get on my path, you know? Um, so I just want to kind of like help destigmatize that. And the last thing we want to do is raise awareness of uh, spiritual abuse and religious trauma syndrome. And so those are things that really affect a lot of people who come from Christian fundamentalism. And uh, so I want to push resources out so people can be educated on that and uh, get the help that they may need. Well, Brady, that sounds really good. Why don't we go ahead and talk real quickly about what religious trauma syndrome and what spiritual abuse is? Absolutely. Um, Let me start off with a religious trauma syndrome. Um, No, let me start off with spiritual abuse because it kind of tells a story. Spiritual abuse is any time that somebody uses your belief system to harm you uh, in a negative way. So this is a lot of times manipulation that happens within the church or times that people make you feel bad of like uh, that you need to do more or that you need to give more. Um, But it also has a lot to do with like, okay, me as a gay person uh, growing up in the church and hearing a lot of negative things about gay people that are not true. 
um, that was a form of spiritual abuse because it didn't allow me to be who I am and to use my spirituality to repress my sexuality and to repress huge chunks of who I am. Um, and I, I think that spiritual abuse, the, the first, my first interaction with it, like I said, was from a Christian therapist. Uh, he, uh, I'm very open with my show and everything. One of the reasons that I eventually left the faith is because I, I went through some really bad spiritual abuse from a, uh, a few pastors that I had, uh, and they shook me so much that it caused me to really listen to a lot more of my doubts and to start questioning my faith because I was like, okay, I truly believe that if people read the Bible, that they would change. I truly believe that God, if, you know, if somebody was a Christian, that the Holy Spirit lived with them and they changed them from the inside out. But I wasn't seeing that with the people, like with the spiritual leaders around me. Um, and it really got me to start questioning my faith. And eventually I left. But the, like I said, the first professional therapist that I was seeing at that, at that time is during my divorce. And uh, he heard the things that the church was doing to me of how they disfellowshipped me and was treating me like shit because I wasn't following their stupid orders. And he's like, no, dude, that's fucked up. That's spiritual abuse. And he recommended a book to me. Uh, I think it was by a pastor named Ken Blue or something. I don't know if that's true, but it's a book called Spiritual Abuse. It'll be really easy to find, but it's written from a Christian worldview. And it even shows through the Bible, uh, New Testament of like all the times that spiritual abuse is mentioned and how much Jesus and the, and the gospel spoke against it and uh, was was doing it. So kind of helped take his teachings and put them under the the same umbrella of spiritual abuse really helped educate me to what that was. And then, uh, can I jump in the religious trauma syndrome or do do we have any questions on spiritual? No, yeah, that's a great answer. I think we're all, we're all tracking. Go for it, man. Perfect. Thank you. And actually, to let you all know, we do have a, a new free resource uh, through our podcast on spiritual abuse, just to kind of like help define it and educate. And it's really simple. But the second theme is religious trauma syndrome. And this is from this, the research of Dr. Marlene Winnell, uh, who's going to be on the second season of our podcast soon. I think she might be our next episode. And it, ugh, this woman changed my life. Big time changed my life. What were you going to say? Uh, Brady, before you get into the religious, religious trauma, excuse me, I can't talk, guys. But um, yeah. I just wanted to interject real quick and say a disclaimer for any of our uh, listeners who may be attending church and have good churches that we, we recognize that not all churches are bad. We're just talking about our experience mm-hmm. and things that we went through. And so um, just want to make sure that we have that how, how how should I put this, guys? Seth, you're smiling. Disclaimer. Seth, not yes, all, disclaimer. Hash, hashtag Seth, not all Christians, right? Exactly. Not my church. And Seth also has started a church. So um, we're not we're not we're gonna be getting into some deep stuff probably, maybe talking about some negative things that have happened to us in particular at churches, things we've seen. But we also just want to say that we understand that not all churches here can be some good, but just look out and if you recognize any signs of religious trauma or spiritual abuse, then uh, get out yeah, and or... I think I think that's a good practice with any subject, though, is just because somebody is speaking about their experience that was negative, um, it doesn't always have to be a negative reflection on everything else, you know, with that, that the good that could come out of that. So, uh, no, I appreciate you saying that. I think that's good. Um, religious trauma syndrome is from the research of Dr. Marlene Winnell. She, uh, you can find her work on... Uh, I think it's freedom from religion. I'm going to have to double check on that. Uh, But let me actually go to their website and I'm going to read you the definition of religious trauma syndrome from their website because it's just 
Perfect. So if you go to journeyfree.org, Dr. Marlene Waddell has an article called Religious Trauma Syndrome. She says, uh, religious trauma syndrome is a conditioned experience by people who are struggling with leaving an authoritative, dogmatic religion and coping with the damages of doctrination. They may be going through the shattering of a personal, personally meaningful faith and or breaking away from a controlling community and lifestyle. RTS is a function of both chronic abusers and harmful religion and the impact of severing one's contact, one's connection with one's faith. It can be compared to a combination of PTSD and complex PTSD. So what it is, is it's kind of like um, some of the symptoms are if you're brought up in a very dogmatic black and white uh, sort of church environment uh, or even just like a a family, even um, when you get out of that, you're going to be left with a lot of symptoms like PTSD, as I as I experienced a lot of people in my podcast. So the problem is like there's there's a lot of like um, there's a fish out of water feeling. You know, because if you're used to going to a fundamentalist church your entire life and you start leaving it, it's a completely different world that you're jumping into. Um, There's a lot of like cognitive symptoms and emotional, social and cultural issues that come up. And um, a lot of the causes of, of religious trauma syndrome are like suppression of normal child development, which happens a lot in like very dogmatic religion, like Christian fundamentalist environments. Um, other things that can cause it is damage to normal thinking and feeling abilities, um, your internal control and focus. And a lot of times it can also be done. Uh, can You can get it or you can show symptoms of it through physical and sexual abuse and patriarchal power that's found within the church. Um, so basically what it is, is you are in this very closed off environment. And as you leave it, um, the whole world is, is different and you find yourself running into a lot of inner thoughts that you have to kind of filter through. Um, and, and again, this is coming from like the abusive Christian fundamentalism, you know? So I came as, I was a Calvinist, which, you know, we believed that everybody deserved to go to hell, that, you know, everybody's totally depraved, that you're worthless, all this. Well, you were chosen. You were also chosen by God. You were chosen by God, but you as Mm -hmm. yourself, you're a piece of shit. And the only reason, and the only reason that you're worth anything is because a third party gave that to you. Right. Yeah. So coming out of that and in not, and having like a shift of your beliefs, having to work through those inner thoughts and to kind of like get back to where you can just function as a normal person without feeling like you're constantly living in like the suffocating, uh, controlling environment. Um, but the, the environment isn't just external. If you're there for long enough in Christian fundamentalism, you get that in your own brain and you become your own abuser in some ways. And so it has a lot yeah. to do with changing. And you're like, hardwired like that. So mm. whenever you get out into the real world and you start living a normal life, things just are a little backwards. Exactly. Yeah. And so people that, hurt people. Indoctrinated yeah. people indoctrinate people too, you know? And so it's like hurt mm. people hurt people. You get indoctrinated, they hurt. And it just becomes like this big cycle of a mess, you know? Uh, but like you said, you're, you're hardwired to believe one way you, you walk out of that and realize that it's different than you expected. And it really does come through as a lot of PTSD and complex PTS symptoms that, uh, fucks up a lot of people that came out of like spiritual abusive situations. Because the, the other weird thing about this is like your coping mechanisms change whenever you leave fundamentalism. Um, 
before I was one of those who prayed constantly, but when my faith changed, I had to find new ways to cope with shit. You know, I had to find new ways to cope with the PTSD. I had to find new ways to cope with spiritual abuse and all this shit. And so finding themes like meditation and mindfulness, um, which are kind of like forms of prayer, but since we have different directions that we're sending those prayers to, it's going to be worded differently. Um, so it's been really helpful to kind of find some of those coping mechanisms that are a little bit more healthy and reflect who I am and what I believe now. So you would say that you say meditation or yoga has been some of those coping mechanisms or what are some other coping mechanisms that have, that you'd say have helped you? Uh, mindfulness is really good for me. Um, I found a book called 10% happier by Dan Harris. Um, he's an ABC correspondent and, uh, he did a lot of research on religion and he ended up like he wasn't a believer, but he constantly had to, you know, interview all these different really spiritual people and uh he walked away uh at the end understanding that there's this new wave of mindfulness that i mean millennials are jumping into this shit right like mindfulness is a big thing that we talk about of just taking time to check in with your body to to feel things to be one with your your body and your senses um and self-aware it's self-aware absolutely and uh it's so important with people with pts D or other, you know, just we hold trauma in our bodies. And unless we're aware of that and we're aware of how our body responds to that, we're not going to be able to effectively. What do you mean by we hold trauma in our bodies? Well, the way that trauma works, um, whenever you experience a traumatic experience, uh, your body goes into your body. you think of it like you have a you have a new mind and an old mind and the old mind has been like our monkey brain or our lizard brain you know whenever we go through something traumatic um our brain switches to that monkey brain and it gives us three options flight fight or freeze um and so whenever we go through that traumatic thing there's going to be things that our body is looking for as clues of what brought this um, this trauma upon us. And our body is going to want to find ways to avoid ever having to experience that trauma again. So that's where we get words like triggering, because what happens is if you do have a trauma response, if you had a traumatic experience, there's something that your body could notice and see that is going to cause it to remember that time that it had to switch to a lizard brain. And it's going to tell you again, hey, you're in trouble here. What the fuck are you going to do? Give you the options again. Some people fight, fight or freeze. And that's how it holds into your body. Um, and so a lot of times we hear the words triggering a lot recently of uh, people misunderstand what that means. and They minimize it, but it's a very real thing. Uh, think of a, a soldier. And this is a, this is an extreme example, but like think of a soldier who went through war and then they have fireworks going on in their house. And of course their body's going to want to get the fuck out of there because that's going to bring back a lot of memories and it's going to bring back their body's fight or flight response. Um, and so that's kind of an example. And so even like in smaller ways, people who have maybe been um, abused or taken advantage of by very authoritative pastors or church leaders, whenever they get into a relationship with somebody or they get to know a new boss or something, and there could be little things that kind of trigger you back into that situation. that's going to make you feel hopeless like you did at that point or out of control or powerless. And those things come back to us. And so that's what I mean by it gets held in our body. 
Right. And also, I mean, Brady, I've been listening to your season two here for the last week. And uh, I've got five episodes in. And I've had five triggering responses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, so I um, you know, I grew up in a very conservative um, church community in a, in a loving, well-meaning, but poorly educated family as to how to yeah. deal with having a gay kid. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have I've got a lot of trauma in there and I've, I've known that for a very long time. Um, it's been like a solid decade. And I've just been like, oh, I guess I figured out how to cope with it. And then, you know, I get your first, uh, your first episode was the, um, ex-evangelical Blake was there and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this yeah. is very comfortable. This is like, this is where I live now. Like this is, this is great. And then you brought Angie in for the second one and she was talking yeah, more sorry. about like, deliver <laughs> us from your people and, you know, talking about very specific things that happened in the past. And Chuck came in there and yeah. like, you know, gave the explanation of religious trauma. And as he's talking, I'm like, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Like I, I almost turned it off like three different times. And then they were, you know, explaining like what you all, what you just explained there. And, uh, and I'm starting to think about things from a decade ago <laughs> and I'm starting to freak out a little bit so that by the time we get to the next episode, the way I am with Jennifer Knapp, like you bringing the actual topic that was in the back of my head, homosexuality in the church. Right. Yeah, up to the forefront yeah. of the I was like, Oh, I, I did turn that one up for a while and I had to come back to it later. I loved, I loved the interview with her though. Like Jennifer like, Knapp. You talk to Jennifer Knapp. Like, I dude, know. I know. That's huge. <laughs> I know. I, I like had that's her on my deal. wow CDs. As that's a what kid, she said. You know? <laughs> yeah. So the, the episode right after that was, um, conversion therapy too the second time around and tim oh, was yeah. talking about you know all the ex-gay um, reparative therapy stuff oh, and yeah. that's where my trauma has gone un um not unresolved but un- unnoticed un- you know untreated um i always would make light of the reparative therapy i went through by cracking yeah. jokes like oh yeah you know you go to those you know uh reparative therapy conferences and you're there for a couple days with like you know 300 other guys and they pair you off in rooms with roommates. So they've just created 150 hookups, you know, and, uh, and everybody laughs and it's like a big deal, but, but the, you know, it's the humor, and, and it is like, it is a funny story to tell, right? I mean, people are always going to laugh and you're going to be like, ah, I know, right. It's crazy. But it, it was, yeah, it is severely fucked up and it fucked me up mm-hmm. big time. It was uh, the beginning of that episode where um, I can't remember who it was. They were talking about that guy, Bruce, that they met at the yeah. reparative therapy. And, uh, yeah, that story. Like I, I was sobbing, and I turned it off, and I came back like an hour later, and I couldn't still. So like, it I, it took me several sittings to to get through that episode, and just to realize like that is exactly where my trauma is, that like the 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 core of it, you know, is is right in all that stuff, and it it is it's triggering. It's absolutely triggering to the point where, I mean, I uh, I don't even want to think about it, but I know like you know this is where you got to dig in, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed is one of my friends was asking me, you know, Brady, how, how do you just listen to people constantly talk about, you know, the trauma that they've gone through? Isn't that triggering to me? You know, and there is a time that it was, it was hard for me to constantly have to hear people's stories, but I wanted to do it, you know, and over time, like you kind of get to know yourself well, and you get to know why you respond to things in a way that you do. You know, and so for my story, it's a lot of 
bad Christian leadership that was abusive. Um, my family was really sh- shitty at times and just going through that and, and understanding it and knowing that uh, I have the ability to heal from it, that I have the ability to defeat it, not defeat it. I have the ability. Can I use an example from a horror movie? Have you guys seen Duke? Yeah. Okay. So spoiler alert, Duke. If you guys don't haven't seen Duke, get your life together and fast forward like 30 seconds and then come back and look, you know, but in Duke, you know, they don't kill the fucking monster. They learn to be at peace with it and they let it live in its basement and they go down and visit it every once in a while to remind them of their dad, which is what Babadook is, is a representation of their dead dad. And that's I thought it was a representation of grief. What's well, a representation of grief of their dead dad? Does that make sense? Okay. That's why he wore like yeah. the same hat as him and gotcha. all that shit. So like it it it's kind of like the same with your trauma though. You're not always going to get rid of it. You're not always going to get rid of the experiences that really fucked you up, but you are going to be able to get to a point where you're going to be healthy and you're going to be able to live with it and not let it take you over, but keep it controlled. And if you ever, if you need to go down in a basement and feed it every once in a while, you know, but uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's been my experience with trauma at least is realizing it's not going to go away, but you just learn about it. You get to know yourself um, and you can educate others while you're doing that too. Well, you mentioned a relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that gotten better over the years? So, um, I would say the, the, my dad, I don't have a relationship with my dad at all. Uh, he was a church deacon. He was abusive. He cheated on my mom. And then, uh, when I came out, he just didn't want to talk to me anymore. And, uh, that's, really sucked because I have a son, you know? So he didn't do or say anything for my birthday or my son's birthday for about two years in a row. And, um, I contacted him and I was like, what's your deal, dude? (laughs) You know, like, um, I'm, I, you know, I got him a Christmas present and I'm like, Hey, did you get it? And he was just like, yes. And that was all he said in his text. So I, I gave him an ultimatum and realized that it's better to cut off the sever that relationship because, um, he exhibits so much narcissistic personality disorder that it's not even funny. So fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know it sounds really dark to say fuck that about my dad, but it's like, that's, that's my reality. Um, and my mom, it was hard because when I was going through my divorce, um, again, if you listen back to the old episode, you know, I knew that I was attracted to guys since I was 14, but I was never going to act upon it. Um, I was open about it. I met a woman who knew about me from the first day, but I was sexually attracted to her and we did what we needed to do. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, (laughs) within our marriage, we had a son and then I found out she was cheating on me. Um, and then it was during, it was because of, that that you know started our the rolling the ball of our divorce i took her back three or four times tried to work it out uh tried to do therapy with her she didn't want to do it and then so she left um at that point my i have to tell you a funny story about my ex-wife uh as i do this but she outed me to my mom which was a really shitty thing to do uh because you know i wasn't open about that with my family because of how fundamentalist they were i knew that they wouldn't respond well so then my mom tried to come up with a plan where I wouldn't have my son overnight because, quote, if I didn't molest or rape him, one of my friends would. Um, and this is coming straight from her fundamentalist church, you know. And uh, I – That is evil. Yeah. So I had to really – Oh, my God. I really had to put my foot down 
with my mom and set some boundaries and really and and the reason i'm telling this like in depth is because i want to say this is a this is a way to cope with it and if one of your listeners is in a similar situation uh this may be applicable to them but what i had to do is set boundaries with my mom and write it out to her and say hey this is what you're doing that's wrong um if you continue to do this here are the consequences if you treat me like this you're not going to see my son anymore uh we're not going to be a family uh and that woke her up and it kicked her in the ass um, and my mom, I love her to death, but I think that a lot of her emotional growth stopped whenever she was with my dad in her early twenties, because that's when the abuse started. And, um, it took a while for my mom and I to rebuild that. But over the years, she knew that I'm a damn good father and she saw that. And that is what started to change her was I had to be persistent after setting boundaries, boundaries first, then be persistent. Um, and what I wanted to mention about my ex-wife, and this is like another way that like I'm getting closer to my family, is my ex-wife contacted me at the beginning of this year to tell me that she's in a relationship. And I was like, okay, cool. But like she was trying to get my advice at the same time. And I was like, what are you doing? To find out she's in a relationship with a woman. Nice. <laughs> right? Very nice. So I did not see that coming at all. But she wanted to get my blessing and stuff before she announced. And of course, I gave it to her because I said... You know, we're co-parenting our kid together. And uh, even though shitty things happened six, five, six years ago, um, we're in for the law haul for our son, you know. And so uh, she opened up to me about that. And we've able to kind of like build a <laughs> friendship. <laughs> like, uh, and her girlfriend is amazing. And they had me over for like food twice and everything. And uh, so recently my mom, it was on my birthday, my mom had me on. She's like, so what do you think about your ex-wife having a girlfriend now. And I said, I didn't see it coming, but I support her. And my mom is like, well, I know you guys are both really good parents, but, um, and you know, whenever somebody says, but that it's about to get really bad, you know, a caveat, right, yeah. right, right. She's like, but I just can't help but to think that my grandson is being raised between Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh my God. And so again, I had, and this was on my birthday lunch for Christ's sake, you know? Uh, And so I had to like do the same thing again, set boundaries and say, mom, um, I don't actively, and again, she was trying to get me to come back to the faith, which happens a lot. And it's, um, it's manipulative. It's so manipulative. And when you've gone, when you've gotten out of the faith and somebody tells you the gospel, uh, to fix you because you're not responding the way that they do. And they think that it's like a magical power, you know, it's like a spell <laughs> that they could put on you to make you behave or change your mind. Um, right. That's what she tried to do. And I, I had to put the foot down and say, Hey, no, like I don't try to change your beliefs. Like, um, do I? And she's like, no. And I said, do you want to do, you, do you treat me the way you want to be treated? And that was like a thing. It, I could see in her face. It clicked. Like she was like, Oh, I'm being an asshole. You know, and um, she apologized. We ended up having a good dinner or a good lunch for the rest of the time. When I also told her, like, hey, can you see where I'm coming from, where I don't want where my son is being raised to be compared to cities that the Old Testament felt God needed to punish? Like, do you understand why I would be upset by that? And she she finally got it. Um, So it's just important to, like, set these boundaries and to be persistent with them, even with adults. Uh, But my family has gotten a little bit better. I think just over time, um, I was watching 
the chilling hours of Sabrina on Netflix. And there's a time where Sabrina's like freaking out about grieving over something. And uh, she's, what do I do? And her aunt Zelda said, here's what you do. You go to bed. We're going to be by your side and it's going to hurt tonight. But when you get up tomorrow, we're going to do the same thing, but it's going to hurt a little bit less. And we'll do the same thing the next day. And it's going to hurt a little bit less. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's what it's about, you know, is, um, being persistent, staying with it, and then just knowing that it's going to get better bit by bit. And if it doesn't get better, find people that you can rely on and you can talk to who are going to get it, and um, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Good advice. Looking at that, um, obviously people can go to your podcast as they're going through that process for support, but were there any books that you read that you found really helpful in that process? Um, Yes. Dr. Marlene Winnell that I mentioned before has a book called Leaving the Fold, um, and I cannot recommend it enough at all. Um, In fact, it was her article on religious trauma syndrome and uh, Leaving the Fold that made us make a podcast. Like, that's what it was. That was one of our, like, inciting incidents. That's like, we we read up on that. We're like, fuck, this is us. We want other people to know it. Let's do it. Um, so Leaving the Fold is such a fucking good book for that. And um, we'll really just drop a lot of truth bombs on anybody who's walking out of Christian fundamentalism and trying to find themselves and uh, rediscover who they are and everything. Yeah, that book, I cannot recommend it. Awesome. So, okay, you, you've gone through all this religious trauma mm-hmm. and you're doing the podcast and everything. It seems to me that being gay in 2019 is becoming more and more acceptable, you know, but I hear these stories about your, your, what your mom is saying, Mm -hmm. you know, about being in between Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm just thinking, is there any progress? Like, what is your perspective? Christian fundamentalism, uh, I would say like the really dogmatic black and white religion is never going to change. It's just going to die out. Um, and I don't think that it has it seems the like ability. they're digging in with like the Methodist church and everything. Uh, yeah. The Methodist church, even it's like, they were supposed to be the fucking good ones, right? Like <laughs> what the hell is going uh, it's on just here? Death um, right. It, it's, it's so messed up, but I, I don't think Christian fundamentalism has the ability to change. I think it only has the ability to end, uh, for people to, to lose interest and fade out of it because you think about Christian fundamentalism and they only have one book that they can get from and there, There's never going to be new information. Um, I mean, I studied their theology. I have a degree in it for Christ's sake. Like um, they on the very beginning of our theology classes went through and explained why. I don't like the way con- you say they. Can you say it less condescending, please? I'm joking. What- I'm oh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did, oh, I wasn't meaning they as in all Christians. Is that what you meant, Omar? I meant like they as in my theology teachers, yeah. right? All right. So my theology teachers. It was like, a bad joke. It was a Chris joke. We're trying really hard. Oh, blame it on Chris. Chris didn't even say anything. Gosh. I didn't say a word. (laughs) But I mean, one of the things like in our theology classes, we went through at the beginning of why there could be no more information given, you know, because we believe that the old, that the new and the the old Testament and new Testament was it. So really Christian fundamentalism, like I, they, I don't feel that they have the ability to change because they don't have the ability to listen to any other voices than what they've been listening to and how political it's become since the 1960s. It's just, it's, it's not, we're not just talking about Christian fundamentalism. We're talking about right-wing GOP. It's all just so orgied and intertwined now that you, you, it's like a a conjoined twin that if you try to cut them apart, it it might kill them, (laughs) you know, like they're that so intertwined. They have to be right. Mm Mm-hmm. 
dogmatically. There is, there is no there there's is no, no gray. gray, right? No gray at all. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Everything is black and white. Because I, growing up, I had a mentor uh, who was very much a fundamentalist. Um, and I, he was actually a funeral director. And I used to help him uh, <laughs> for work. Um, but he drilled that through my skull that everything is black and white and he is right. And anything outside of that is 100% wrong and you're going to hell for it. Like, Dear um, God. very much so. So fucked up. The thing that's interesting, though, about people like that is if they leave that, say, faith and get on the... Because you can have that same type of mentality on both sides of the fence and still and without realizing it and still have that self-righteous attitude and not like mm-hmm. and judge the the others as harshly too being right and it's that same attitude of thinking you're right thinking you have the answers and that's where like the whole black and white thing is it's just realizing like you said ready is like like there's just all this gray area and as long as we're willing to learn and come always coming to to an understanding and not necessarily like like your mother's doing. And that's why it's, it's encouraging to hear that. It's encouraging to hear that like you're communicating. And that's the thing is that it's not a reaction, but it's like a, Hey, no drawing the line in the sand. Like I'm a human being. Like my, my feelings matter just as much, you know, like, like yeah. whenever, whenever you're able to like, communicate to, on somebody's level too, like, and you're even like using like the golden rule, you know, treating others the way you want to be treated. And, and then it's encouraging to, to hear that you guys were able to sit down and have a meal and stuff afterwards. That's yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's taken a long time, but it's, it's the only family I have. What am I going to do? Yeah. Right. That, that, you know, relationship dynamic has got to be interesting. And in a time where to me, it seems like the lines are really being blurred between these things anyway. Like for example, I think, and of course I'm not, uh, I don't identify as being a member of the LGBTQ community, but it seems to me, though, that people are more on a spectrum than they really are in a camp oh, of, oh, I'm on. gay, I'm bisexual, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, so, like, in the future, do you see this going more towards, like, the whole term of being gay going away? Or do you think it's something that's going to stick around? Um, no, I, I think it's always going to be there. I mean, it's a, it's a it's an identifier. It's a uh, description, you know? And so it's, there's always going to be people who are just gay, you know? Um, I don't think there's ever going to be like so much ambiguous sexuality that nobody's going to have words that, you know, identify who they are anymore. Um, But I I see what you're saying. I think there is a lot more uh, fluidity that's coming up. Uh, But I think that the terms like gay, lesbian, et cetera, are going to stick around because they're, they're descriptive and they're not, bad you know they're not like negative terms it's just uh they're they're describing what's going on and i think that those categories are always going to be there and they provide an identity and with your identity you can have a community and support yeah that way too but isn't that part of the problem though like having a community dividing having a tribe you know saying hey i'm i'm you know over here and you're over there is that not being divisive I think that's a good question. I think that the difference is between division and description, that if something is describing like, hey, we're a group of people that we have this in common, um, but it doesn't mean that they're excluding themselves from other people. There's certain times that it's okay to um, to celebrate what makes you unique or different. Um, for instance, that's, that's why it's cool to have like gay pride parades because the 
you know, in our history as our nation and of the world, uh, gay people have been treated poorly. So the pride parades are a way for them to say, hey, we're part of your society, too, uh, and come join us and let's celebrate our history together because – there's not just gay people at gay pride, you know, it's a, it's a whole community. And so that allows you to celebrate something that was lacking before in our society, but, um, has done a great job of staying put and being firm with who they are and saying, Hey, we're, we're here, we're queer. And, uh, there's nothing to get used to it. Absolutely. (laughs) But like, I think that would make that different though, is if like there was like a straight man parade where it's like, they've been in the majority and in power this whole time to celebrate that in front of other people who have been, uh, maybe pushed aside because of that, of that majority, that seems more, kind of an asshole thing to do because it's like hey we're celebrating the culture that has kept you we you know push them down so i i i think that's the the difference is 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 what you're celebrating divisive or is what you're celebrating descriptive and um, i don't think there's anything wrong with that to what both chris and you said brady about like the example of the gay pride parade where it's not just gay people with a gay pride and it's fun and it can be celebratory and everybody can like celebrate like your identity but I mean, wouldn't that be cultural appropriation by some's definition no because um gay pride is very open about wanting allies to be there uh, because it is a whole community celebration so i mean if there is like some weird like weird town that has like a gay pride parade and they're just like gays only you know I, I i would think that's pretty that's weird and toxic and i've never heard of that before right you know? <laughs> but it's definitely speaks to there's still i think like a spectrum where still people can even if you're not gay you can identify with things in the gay community and like not only appreciate them but also be like you know this is something that like i really want to be a part of um or let me can i ask you this omar like I, let me switch this around like um, because a church is for people who believe in God or believe in the Bible or whatever, is it wrong to have churches then because there's people outside of the church that doesn't believe that way? Do you get what I'm saying? No. I, see, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't have the categories, but mm-hmm. what I would say is just would we all kind of agree that there's a spectrum and it's okay to like maybe like you don't have to necessarily, necessarily even identify as, as gay or anything um, like we could all honestly like, like have different tribes for different, like, re- like, I don't know. I, I'm somewhere in between, honestly, is this where I'm at with this whole thing? Okay. Cause I, I see the importance of the description. I see the importance of like community, but at the same time, I see how community can be destructive and exclusive, you know, and force you to kind of like sometimes not actually find your own identity. Um, okay. Because so it could be the, like toxic. The, sometimes, sense, sometimes okay. you can have an identity forced on you because because of a label. Does that make so, sense? So, um, so here's something. If we can back up just a little bit to to that idea of of the tribe, um, this is a pretty universal theme for the gays. Um, I think Brady and Seth will both understand when I explain. Um, if you are a gayby, like a new gay. The mm-hmm. first time you encounter oh, that's cute. <laughs> a the, like the gay community, it is overwhelming. Everyone is so awesome. You have finally found people 
who are like you. And it's a huge deal because if you don't know what it feels like to live in a world where nobody is like you, you can't understand mm -hmm. what it feels like to finally find somebody. Um, and I, while there is a spectrum, I totally think that the, the truth is still that the vast majority, not even just like a lot of people, the vast majority of people out there are heterosexual and they are not like me. So that when I can find someone who actually is in my tribe that I didn't even know existed until I was a gaby, um, it is almost indescribable. And, uh, and I can't really place too high a value on the importance of maintaining that tribe. That makes sense. I mean, you know, whenever you find, whenever you find people who are, you know, like-minded, let's say, I don't know, for example, I'm really into podcasts. I find other people who are really into podcasts. It feels good. This is on a whole nother level though. We're talking right. about like at your very core who you are. And especially, so I can see the importance of that. And especially at the core uh, that you had to repress for so long. Yeah. Right. And that, that, makes, that makes a huge difference of like, cause no one's telling me not to listen to podcasts. True. <laughs> uh, but I'm also, okay. Going back to the word spectrum though, like the spectrum that I'm thinking of obviously is the color spectrum. And like, even though it's one thing, it has different colors inside of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even within that spectrum, there's going to be a very definite, Oh, this is yellow or this is green. This is blue. And I yeah. think that it's just cool to like, know that within that spectrum, all those colors can be by each other and they're going to blend in and, I don't know. I just like rainbows, guys. That's really what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now that Ethan, now that Ethan can see Ethan them. Ethan cried whenever he first saw the rainbow flag, actually, with his enchroma glasses. The first glasses. time I saw the pride flag, I cried. Yep. What'd you call the pride? The pride what? The pride did I say pride, pride flag? Pride boys flag. flag. <laughs> there's, a, Jesus. there's a soft L in there, man. <laughs> I love it. So, okay, I have a quick question for you because I, I and I've actually asked Ethan and Seth this question before, but they both don't really want to answer it. So maybe you will. Um, what do you think about all of the pronouns for the trans community? I think it's great. I'm completely one hundred one hundred percent supportive of that. Um, I think that, but like the most, for example, okay, let's say that I walk up to someone. And they ask me to call them Zed. And then I walk up to another person and they want me to call them Z. Like, how am I supposed to remember all that? Like, is there not something a little more uniform that can happen here? I, I'm just, I'm curious as to what. So what I, yeah. from my experience, um, and I'm pretty active in the LGBT community. I've got a lot of trans friends and I've never, I have not met anybody in person um, or online that prefers Z or Z. Um, the the only pronouns that I'm really used to are he, she, and they. I think they is a lot like you're saying a more universal thing. Plus, it's yeah. a hell of a lot easier for writing. Um, yeah. And you know who really has jumped on they well is Ubisoft, the, the the video game software, like the company that makes video games. Because when they make their characters, they and they have people interact with you. They're just like now they don't do the whole he or she. It's just they, and it's made their lives a lot easier as 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 they do that. Sure. So I think that. Um, and if, and if I do meet people that would prefer Zer or Zed or whatever the ones are that are that are running around, I would want to respect that as much as I can. But I also know that um, trans people are smart and they're going to know that we're going to fuck up, but they're also going to know when we care or not. And so if you're showing that you care, 
that's all that really fucking matters. But I think what's so important about people using pronouns that they're most comfortable with is um, it, it, it's it's their identity and they need to know it and they know it more than I. And so my job as a individual, that's not them as a third party is to respect their experience and respect their minds enough to know who they are and what pronouns are best, you know, going to fit for them. And then for me to respect and to um, confirm their experience by, by using that. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think they, you're going to be safe with they. And, and if you say they to a trans person who may prefer something else, um, allow them to correct you and then apologize and say, I'm sorry, I, I want to use the right thing because I care. Help me out with this. Just ask for help. Um, every trans person that I've met um, and that I know is really cool with that stuff because they know that it's not easy for everyone. And just to have anybody who's shown an inkling of care and to want to help um, and to want to say the right thing, I think it's going to be a positive thing. And allow allow for correction. I think that was the big thing. Sure. I, I'm totally cool with calling someone they. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I find, I take issue and it's, it's, it, it has nothing to do with homophobia. I take issue with having to learn a new pronoun for however many people are going to ask me to, to call them that. You know what I mean? Because then how am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> I don't know. It, that's my per, my own personal thing, and that's not a reflection of faith at has all. Has it happened yet? It actually has. I have uh, students who are um, transgender. So it's not that I want to be disrespectful. It's that I've only got so much storage in my, in my brain, and I want to be respectful, but... How old are these? Yes. Oh, okay. Teenagers, yeah. Chris, um, may be a completely different species than anything I've ever wanted to ever look at ever. Is this a right wing asshole? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Not either. Not in the slightest. No, no, no. I'm saying like teenagers, like t- the people that I'm talking about that I'm interacting with aren't teenagers. And so there may be like a, a culture that's coming up that I don't completely understand. But but I still do yeah. feel that what, what, what I was saying is going to speak to them that if you're trying um that it's going to be good but like what pronouns were they wanting i, I... oh there was some off the wall stuff okay. i couldn't even rem- I, I mean i wouldn't be able to tell you because i just don't remember mm-hmm. it was just you know some made up thing and i said what name do you want me to call you i'll call you the name and that's that's all i'll refer to you as you know like that will work i don't even care if it's the name that's on the roster that i have here what just tell me what to call you what if um <laughs> what if they put like an index card on their desk whenever they're in your class that just said like their preferred pro- pronouns you know would that be something that you would be able to compromise with Sh- sure yeah. but my my point being like why does it have to be so convoluted i don't know yeah. does it is that really that ingrained in your identity that you need to like invent a word for everyone to call you i would say that it isn't you're not just talking about their your their identity but you're talking about the experience that they've had to repress and to hide for such a long time and now that they're able to come out and say hey this is who i am there's going to be a pride that they're going to have because of how much they've overcome. Uh, basically, like, let's go back to the gay pride thing. What we do with gay pride is we're celebrating a community that has uh, stood up for itself for a long time. And now we're at a place in the world where we can come out into the streets and celebrate that with people who don't aren't in our community or 
are, you know? Um, so yeah. kind of think of that trans person as coming out as that that's their gay pride parade. That's the, finally their ability to something they've had to repress and keep hidden for such a long time that they have not understood either. Because, I mean, that's the other part, too. There's this whole process of, like, having to figure out, okay, I'm different. Wait, my gender is different. My body isn't reflecting my gender. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. For as many years as that goes through. And then to finally say, no, I'm going to come out and be honest with who I am. So it's kind of like those pronouns are so much wrapped up in their identity because it's representing each one of those steps, maybe, for them. Um, the steps of that self-discovery. It's also representing the struggle that they've gone through and then to try to figure out um, all those different things. But I hear what you're saying. It's it's a lot for you to remember uh, when there's a lot of them and there's like other ones that I may not even be that exposed to. Uh, but if there is like a way that you can maybe compromise with them to acknowledge their experience, because that's what pronouns are, is they're wanting you to acknowledge their experience, their identity and who they are. Um, and if there's a way to do that, that doesn't go way over the top, um, then I, I think that that might be meaningful for them in their experience, especially as a teenager yeah. too. Cause Ugh, just, they're the Im- worst. Imagine coming, coming out <laughs> as you know, a trans person, like in a high school and dealing with however many hundreds of people on a daily basis who, you know, when teenagers are going to be, they're, they're going to be assholes. And so yeah. a lot of times there's just- not just teenagers though. Did you guys see that, uh, that trans woman at GameStop who yeah. went crazy oh, on this yeah, uh, employee? Yeah. I, th- I think everyone saw that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. she's not a representation of the trans community, just like no, certainly you would not, not want uh, Christianity to be only you know presented by what's that fucker's name on 700 Joel, Club? Joel Osteen or something. Or, or, or Pat oh, Robertson. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Pat um, Robertson. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we the way that like our communities work is we see little examples and those represent a huge community to us right until we get exposed yeah. to more and more of those people and realize okay that's not uh, there's even a bigger community that needs to be represented so uh, i think that a lot of times when something like that goes viral it, it makes me cringe because i'm thinking about all the trans people who think who feel like this is now the representative and right that woman fuck like if she was having a rough time if she had mental health issues which i completely get because i have my own um to have all that in your breakdown on video and now you become like this lightning rod for all this criticism towards an entire community um it's just i I think that's so unfair for her you know it's unfortunate and for the whole trans community yeah so brady what else do you have going on man you have a book you're writing i heard something along those lines something that maybe the great community can get a promo code too, or something if they're into it and what else? (laughs) (laughs) I like promo codes, but there's no promo codes. Um, so what I'm writing right now is I'm wanting to make a, uh, like a devotional. All right. But for people who are leaving Christian fundamentalism and I'm writing it in a way that it's not for just people who leave faith completely like I have, but it's just written for anybody who's coming out of Christian fundamentalism. That's a fucking great idea. So I'm calling it a a daily deconstructional. Cause I know. Right. I'm going to call it my utmost for his lowest. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, our daily, our daily Brady. 
that might be another there you action. go but anyway um <laughs> our daily brady i love but it. what i'm what i <laughs> because it's kind of an experimental thing what i'm wanting to do i'm going to release like the first week of it you know as a book see how that goes and then if it's like a thing that eh, people are responding to i'm going to go ahead and make like a whole like 30 day month long you know version of it as well but it touches on a lot of things that we've talked awesome. about like there's a one of them that's uh the first the first day uh if unless this gets edited or changed focuses on um it focuses a little bit on kimmy schmidt of just like this idea that you're you're out of this bunker now uh and now your job is to figure out who you are in the rest of the world and uh just kind of like i'm wanting to take different things like that and use them as like uh inspiration for people who are you know, might need a little bit of a guide of leaving Christian fundamentalism. Because like I said, if that's your entire world, you don't know the fucking real world. <laughs> you know, if you're so much into a dogmatic community um, and really like uh, in, in, in intrusive belief system, um, walking out of that's going to be a really hard thing. And I think that having a little bit of a guide uh, that people can read is going to be really affirming and helpful. Yeah, that sounds like not only like helpful, but also very entertaining. And so looking forward I to agree. whatever that's I think that's released. awesome. Like definitely let us know. We'll do, yeah. That's a great idea. Thank you. Is that going to be for free? Like how are you releasing? So I want to buy a copy. What I want to do is like for the first one that's just seven days because it's like a trial small version, I'm going to keep the price low, like five bucks, you know, just something that's like whatever. Um, and then whenever I have the full version, it'll probably be like a, you know, $12 book or whatever that you can get on ebook uh and i might i want to go back and self-publish it on 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 kindle and amazon as well um i think i mean you should do like an audio version too that you could like do yourself you know yeah because most of us don't actually read books we just listen to them so true (laughs) that's so true uh my friend jamie actually ethan you've listened to the podcast have you heard jamie lee finch's episode from season one uh, I've actually heard that one. I think she's uh, unbuckling the Bible belt. She's the oh, one yes, who yes, talked yes. about intuition and sexuality. She just released a book as well. And uh, she was able to do an audiobook version of it. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm so excited because she is brilliant. Uh, and she's a really good expert on spiritual trauma and shit too. If you guys get a chance, Jamie Lee Finch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll t- no, we'll she did like an audio version. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. If you guys want to have her on, she might, it's she's a very strong woman and we love strong women around here uh she will put you all in your place all four of you at the same time sounds so giving you a good heads up. let's do it so Jamie, we love it you're listening to, well, actually yes we'll reach out to you you'll hear from me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh maybe audio eventually we'll see uh i just want to i haven't written in like a book in years and years and years and years so it's it's kind of a new this is the first time that i've really written anything since leaving the faith uh, so it's kind of like a different ball game for me. So I'm kind of wanting to be cautious and take my time with it and kind of make it's sure exciting, I'm man. getting my uh, – doing <laughs> it all right, you know. But I'm really pleased with the stuff that I've come up with so far. And uh, my friend Carrie, she's helping me read through it and edit and everything. And she's just like sending me all these edits that are just like, holy shit, this is so good. This really speaks to my experience. And I'm like, okay, good, good, good. This is the kind of feedback that I want. So I'm hoping that it was going to be helpful. Well, the last time you're on, you classified all of uh, us yes, yes, uh, yes. as, you know, twinks, bears, <sighs> all that stuff. Yeah. Have you found your twink? 
My own? No. I, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I tweak up my own. Because you said you were really into tweens. Not really into You haven't found anybody. When it said really into tweens, but uh, th- it's a guilty pleasure. You said you were right? searching for a tweak. <laughs> no, no. Uh, my dating life, Chris, if you really want to know, my dating life is pretty dry. And I'm getting to be where I'm okay with it, you know? Uh, because there yeah. was like always this drive for me to get with someone. And I'm just kind of getting to be cool with being like the, the chill 33 year old single dad, uh, who likes to write and hang out with his cat. And I'm just, eh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I'm describing agoraphobia, but um, <laughs> <it's> still, <laughs> if it fits, I'll wear it. So, but the life after podcast as well, you're in season two. How many more episodes are you working on for that? Um, to, before you wrap that up, we don't, and- we don't have a set amount. Um, we have a few left in the chamber and we've got a, um, already. And then we're going to start interviewing some new people here soon. So um, it, it's going to last for a pretty long time. The last season that we did was like 20 something episodes. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that we're probably going to do that again and put, do like a couple month break and then go on another one or whatever. But well, Seth and Ethan have both been through a lot of religious trauma. They're both, uh, they've both been through uh, gay conversion therapy. Ugh. I think they'd be perfect to have on your podcast. That may not be a bad idea. Maybe even do like two at a time. We can just have like a little bit of like a fade to gay. There you go. <laughs> crossover. <laughs> We'd love it. Just let us know. When. Okay. Yeah. But fade to gray is a takeoff of like black and white. And then you fade to gray. Right? Is that yeah? Okay, that's what I was thinking. It's like two opposing ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me. We're gonna have the conversation, not yell at each other and hate each other for difference in opinions. We're gonna meet somewhere in the middle in the gray. That's the whole idea. Okay, I like that. I like that. And the, and the fact yeah. that we all live there anyway, but like the world we live in right now, like the media and everything that we're in, religion politics it's all like telling us that we have to pick a side right away and have to have an opinion or a soundbite and like you're saying just being teachable being willing to be wrong being willing yeah. to like listen learn it's, it's yeah. so huge and so we're just practicing that and we're not we're not great at it we're not perfect you know and then because we also can learn to like like forgive others you know, like as we're as we're doing this, the whole process it's great well, fuck you omar i think we're pretty fucking awesome <laughs> at it man i love you too chris <laughs> so, but it's been a lot of fun seriously brady thanks for coming back on and um, hey my pleasure definitely consider you a friend of the podcast at this point it's it's two oh thank you are two you times are you on marco polo yeah yeah i use that every once in a while for sure okay oh dude we need to get you in our fade tree oh, that's yeah. where our yeah. patreon guys are at all right all right they would love to talk to all you all right all right yeah, hit me up with that, Alex. Just pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. You mean, you mean uh, meditation, yoga, and mindfulness about yeah. it? Yeah, I'll get on yeah, that. Be mindful about it. <laughs> you know, focus on your focus on your breathing and join our group. Absolutely, I will. Any last things you want to promote? Uh, shout out to before we jump off. What, what are what are all the things I've promoted so far? Uh, um, we got your book. J- we got your podcast, and I, I got Jamie Lee's Jamie Lee Finch's book. Uh, I. Jennifer Napster well, you know, album. Jennifer, okay, back to Jamie oh, Lee Finch. She, <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. Yeah, or she's got a book out, too, I think. I don't know. Um, and then I also mentioned 10% Happier, the book by Dan Harris. Uh, it's about secular mindfulness. So fucking good. Uh, even for Christians, it's just 
good, 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 good. It's so helpful. Um, and then the last thing I want to rec- recommend for everyone else is uh, Leaving the Fold by Dr. Marlene Winnell. Yes, yes. Uh, find find her stuff on journeyfree.org. Um, journeyfree.org slash RTS is the Religious Trauma Syndrome article. And um, it, it literally changed my life and like five other people that I know independently that had to contact me about how it changed your life. And then eventually we started a podcast. <laughs> so it's um, it's life changing and it's really helpful for people who have experienced it. And also last thing, uh, we do have the Religious Abuse uh, resource for free. Uh, and I can give you guys a link to that if you want to pass it. Yep, and we'll put it in the show notes. So. Cool, sounds great. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, man. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you so much for letting me come back. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe Maybe we'll see you on the life after. (laughs) Sounds good. See you guys later. Later. Bye, Brady. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.